0: You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbo. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell, and today I'm talking to Matt McDonald. He is the owner and executive director of Next18, and Next18 provides free week-long golf camps to veterans and first responders, and that includes holistic training for mental health and lifestyle. He is a veteran himself. He served in the U.S. Army from 2011 to 2015. He was deployed in Afghanistan in 2012 and 2013, and he has an incredible story. I'm really excited to talk to him. So thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Let's start from the very beginning. I always like to discuss with the veterans what inspired them to join the US Army. So why why did you get into the service?
1: I so I joined late late in life for a typical military person. Typically you'll see 18-year-olds joining. I joined at uh, 26. I had an associate's degree at the time, um, I had been bartending a lot in Milwaukee, uh, for about three or four years, and it, it got old, um, it got old, it felt very fake, there was, there's, there's just this disconnect between the, the human element of bartending and like people being authentic, mm-hmm. um, i I was done with my degree. I wanted to travel the world. I, I saw things differently in my mind than I think a lot of my friends did. and I remember as soon as I enlisted, I had about six months before I actually deployed the basic training
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think in those six months, I watched Black Hawk Down probably 500 times. Oh, my gosh. Uh, There's a scene in the movie where one of the Black Hawks goes down and uh, two Green Berets are circling over in their helicopter. And they know what they're getting into, but they want to go down. They don't care. They they need to make sure that everyone on that helicopter is, A, uh, retrieved, and whether they're alive or not. Uh, and if they are alive, make sure that they get out of there, and subsequently, they go down. Uh, mm. they, they they both die, but they do save one of the pilots. Um, that that uh, something bigger than yourself thing, I, I never had experienced in seeing that movie. I, I, in my mind, I thought, maybe that's never gonna happen to me, but in that situation, I would wanna have that um, that willpower, Mm -hmm. that ability to put others before myself. So I went, I I joined Uh, March of 11, I went to Fort Benning, infantry training for 15, 16 weeks. Then I went to airborne school and then I went to Fort Bragg for uh, special operations training. Uh, Ended up in Germany after about 10 months of straight through training.
0: Did you get that authenticity that you were looking for within people and the friendships you made?
1: Yes and no. Hmm. Uh, yeah, there there were some people that I definitely connected with and and I still keep in very close contact with. But very quickly, when you're with 500 other men, and as soon as basic training's done, half of them disappear. You yeah. you all get sent in different directions. And I kind of turned off the ability to say, okay, I need to keep in touch with everyone. My, my mom still keeps in touch with some of the people, the parents from basic training. Wow. And I haven't talked to the soldiers <laughs> since basic training. So it, I, I see the uh, differences in that.
0: Yeah. What was your experience in Germany and then going to Afghanistan
1: like? Germany, I wasn't a huge fan of Germany, but I loved Europe. Huh. I, I took every opportunity to travel. Uh, I remember the first time I left my base, I had a three-day weekend, and I, I took a train to Nuremberg, which was maybe mm-hmm. 45 minutes away by train, and I was hooked. Mm-hmm. I Every opportunity, every three or four day that I got, which was pretty frequent in the military, mm-hmm. I was somewhere, some other country or some other city that I had never been to, and I fell in love with Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Afghanistan was uh, what you see on TV. Wow. Um, the deployment was nine months. We went to Logar Province, which is about sixty miles, sixty seventy miles southwest of Kabul. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give it perspective, there's two roads, two main roads that run from like Kandahar in the south up to Kabul, uh, north south routes and about halfway up, there's this valley called the Tangi Valley, and it runs, the, the road through it runs east west. And that is the road that if coalition forces or anybody is stopping one road, one of the north south roads, all traffic will shift and go east west along this route to mm-hmm. the other road so that they can get up and down to Kabul and, and to the south. Mm-hmm. It's contested because of that. it is there were parts of it that we wouldn't even go into. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just too far in, too heavily contested, and they had had too many issues over the mm-hmm. years, and they we conceded. We just said, all right, we're only going to go eighty five percent into this this valley mm-hmm. um, but the farther you went in the more the more aggressive it got yeah. so.
0: What would you say to someone who's watching the news now and seeing what's happening in Afghanistan?
1: This has been going on for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, And I I often talk to people, friends, family, acquaintances. It's funny how over the years it has... It went from every time a soldier was killed, right, front page of the paper Mm -hmm. to mid-paper to not even in the paper... And I, I think back a couple years ago, I remember what was happening in Syria, and we had refugees and children washing up on shores, and in the same weekend, like, Green Berets were, were getting killed, and not to be callous, but it was hard in my mind to understand how, right, what's happening to the refugees was horrible, but we're not even acknowledging these soldiers that have been killed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And now right i think this is i think this is the largest mass CAS, uh incident in the last seven or eight years in afghanistan uh 20 i think 27 or 28 injured and killed mm-hmm. um if you know anything about the military that's literally a p- platoon an entire platoon just got wiped out mm-hmm. um <sighs> In, in the immediacy of this happening yesterday, it's been very. This is the first time since I got out where I can actually like feel the stuff that I experienced. I've I've been close to IEDs, uh, mm-hmm. mortar rounds, blasts. I've been really good at not uh, feeling it. Mm-hmm. I the last like 24 hours, I can I can feel it. I can feel yeah. the reverberations from things, the the sights, the smells. So it's. Yeah. And I know I'm not the only one dealing with it. Mm-hmm. we're all dealing with it right now, so yeah, yeah, just processing it,
0: yeah, what would you say to a loved one or a friend of a veteran who might be struggling right now?
1: It's gonna be very hard to know they're struggling yeah uh we're we're all unfortunately taught we are better, you know we're we're the alphas, we're the especially if you're I was airborne infantry, I was mm-hmm. patrolling. Uh, we're the tip of the spear. We are the ones that go out and do the dirty work,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but we're still human. Some of us maybe hide it better than others, but like I said, this is this is affecting me, and this stuff hasn't really affected me in six years. Um, it, it's sensitive. It's a sensitive topic, and... I think if you see something off at the end of the day, the best thing to do is bring it up because mm-hmm. I've personally dealt with uh, people not saying things in and around me, and I really wish they would have spoken up in mm-hmm. the past. So
0: that's good advice. I'm sorry you have to you have to go through this, and I appreciate you sharing your story, yeah. and being open about what's going on right now. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about your time um, after. Getting back from deployment, you were medically retired in 2015. Correct. So, what was that experience coming out of the army? You retired, but you you kind of put your path in a different route. Can you tell me a little bit about that transition time?
1: So, transition for me, I think, was substantially different uh, than what it would be for a normal person on a, a normal soldier on active duty getting their DD-214 and they're out. Mm -hmm. I spent the last 12 months of my time in the military in a WTU, which is a transition unit. Uh, Injuries from deployment and jumping out of airplanes for four years, caught up. Um, There were too many medical appointments to deal with in a normal line unit. Mm -hmm. So they sent me to this unit and I spent Twelve months in Landstuhl, uh, which is the big regional hospital in Germany. It's where everyone they're probably dealing with all the people right now from um, from Afghanistan. It's the Mm -hmm. first stop before you get sent to like Walter Reed. Okay. So I was there. Uh, I knew when I got out that I was going to have a disability from the military. I I knew what my rating was like. The stuff that you hear, soldiers and vets spend like years. I, I had it already. Wow. Uh, so that took a lot off my plate right there. Um, and I, I, uh, I used the resources that were available to me in the immediacy of right before I got out and right when I got out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used my GI bill, I, I got my my MBA complete I first I got my bachelors done, then I got my MBA. Uh, I used the VA home loan, got a house with my, my ex-wife. I had a business plan. I started a business with a business partner within 45 days of getting out. I moved to the North shore in Milwaukee, which is a, I had a very good structure. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I'm think all I'm thinking about when I got out is don't be the stereotypical vet that comes out and we hear horror stories about, Right they're drinking, they can't find work, they're, they're struggling so much with everything that they've seen that it just becomes a, a, a suck on the environment. And I'm not saying that that's bad for anyone, but I, I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to come out and I wanted to contribute. And I did. Um, the, I started a lawn and snow company, it exploded. I got in very early with a, one of the larger property management groups in Milwaukee. I had a lot of clients, a lot of support in uh, in and around Milwaukee. I started hiring veterans um, within like three short years. I had three or four crews operating already for for the landscaping and snow industry. Like my growth was exceptional. Mm-hmm. Uh, the MBA helped refine stuff that I didn't know about the business world. So I was doing everything right in my mind (laughs) yeah Um, what
0: was that like trying to not be the stereotype did you think you wanted to set an example or was it more you wanted to prove that you like you could get through it and you could overcome the challenges you faced I
1: think a little bit of both okay I I just I knew I joined the military a little older so I figured I had life experience prior to going in I feel like that really helped me through BASIC. It helped me on deployment. I just, I figured oh, I'm going to be fine. The yeah. hurdles that we fall into when we get out, the drinking, the drugs, uh, spouse issues, those were, not they were not on my radar. They were nothing that was going to be an issue. My issue uh, was, was through the VA. Okay. Uh... I thought I, I had great care. I, I can't badmouth the Milwaukee VA. They, mm-hmm. they did a really good job. I, I love my primary care. I still go to her. Um, I was put on two medications. One, while I was still on active duty, uh, was for sleep. Okay. Um, I wasn't sleeping after deployment. The op tempo that we still had was pretty strenuous. And if you, When you start getting into certain tiers of... Uh, the military, uh, Rangers, SF, Special Operations, uh, Airborne Infantry, your tempo go- gets a little higher. Mm-hmm. And if you want to stay there, well, yeah. you know, surgery, shots, meds, whatever it takes to keep doing what you do. Mm. So they had me on, on the sleep medication. And when I got out, I had a lot of uh, migraines and jaw pain from close blast exposure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I carried a very high powered, uh, automatic weapon. So firing that constantly for nine months, kind of, it, it all like beats your body down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a provider at the VA had me on, um, uh, benzodiazepine, which I didn't even know what the stuff was. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm again, doing everything right. Um, they came to me in like 2018 and the, the doctor said, "You know we want to get you off this medication. We're finding out it's worse than opioids. Hmm. Okay, and i I remember my my ex was uh, she comes from the holistic side. Uh, she she was a registered dietitian by trade. And she had told me over the years, like, yeah, you really shouldn't be taking this stuff. And I don't even think she knew how bad the stuff was mm-hmm. because again, I'm getting my MBA. I'm running a business right on the out or the surface." Everything's great. Mm-hmm. I did not realize what it was doing internally to me. It was basically turning me into a zombie. Wow. Um, so they, their course of action was, hey, look, you're going to take a half a dose of these meds that you've been taking for four years, taking four times the recommended dose uh, for two weeks, and you can just stop. Uh, that did not end well. Yeah. Um, I am... Lucky I'm still here today. Uh, it almost didn't go that way. I definitely had a moment where I had to talk myself out of uh, looking at one of my guns. And I was in so much pain when it happened. And all I could think about in the immediacy after that moment was, how the hell am I in this position? I'm doing everything right. And I still ran into a speed bump. Um, it, took, it took 18 months with two two doctors outside of the VA, who luckily one is a Vietnam vet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in that era. Uh, he's my mental health provider. 18 months to get off of these two meds that doctors said would take two weeks. Wow. Literally incrementally titrating. So every I mean I was I was in a mental fog for two years. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember most of 18 and 19. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I, I had to sell my business. Mm-hmm. Uh, the marriage that was great completely imploded. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm here. I made it through it. So now it's it's like this driving force in my life. I need to... I see what's happening right now. I see how many veterans are suffering with just everything in the last like two weeks yeah. alone. Uh, I need to do what I can do to facilitate making it even incrementally easier for every other vet around me. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about your experiences after having that very difficult experience with the medication. Is that what inspired you to now pursue your um, social work degree?
1: Yeah, that and... So I remember in the immediacy of going through that, I think maybe three or four months in, there had been an organization, Semper Five Fund. Uh, when I got out, they got me a service dog. Uh, they, they paid for everything, paid for all of her training. Uh, I went on one of their retreats, and I, I think it was a golf retreat. It was out in Denver, and it was the first of, I think, like four that I've gone on with them. And I remember when I first got there, I was like, I'm, I'm not like these other vets there, I think there was like 16 of us. I'm mm-hmm. uh, not like these vets. Some of them are, uh, some of them have one leg, some have one arm, uh, blind. This isn't me.
3: Mm-hmm. What am I
1: doing here? Why did I come to do this thing? And over time, over those four or five days, I really started opening up, uh, getting to know, we have a sick sense of humor. I've seen <laughs> things that you, you've yeah. never seen. And the way to process that sometimes is to turn it very, um, dark. Yeah. And that's how you process it. Or some of us process it that way. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because about two, three weeks ago now, Semper Fi, they had their first event post COVID. And I know we're still dealing with COVID, but mm-hmm. it's been 18 months since they, they've done an event and they're all over the country. They're one of the largest nonprofits, um, It was up at Kohler uh, at Whistling Straits and uh, Black Wolf Run. And one of the, their medic that they have, he's a, I think he's like a retired sergeant major or or something. Very high ranking. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was at the first event. And maybe six hours into the first day, he comes up to me and he says, I don't know if you remember me. My name's Doc. I said, yeah, I vaguely remember you. He said, you are so different than you were three years ago, or two and a half, three years ago. Uh, when we first met you, you were so closed off. You you mm-hmm. were very isolated. I could tell you were not in a good place. I I thought I was in a great place, right? Mm-hmm. But these meds, uh, they, they mute a lot. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's so good to see you alive, here, Um and participating it's like you have a new lease on life Mm -hmm. and I said yeah you know and it's funny because this is about the fourth event I've done with you guys and you literally have given me the roadmap for what I want to do and I see what it did personally for me and I see I mean I remember watching we had one uh one vet at this sailing camp that I went to he had been in for a long time and he had he had seen some things uh when he talked about it i remember watching him through the eyes of like the way my this doc had seen me and even in the span of 3 days he completely went from being like a shell to opening up and he you know all of a sudden this joking person and it was it was amazing and being up at Kohler with this event 2 or 3 weeks ago i got to participate uh i played in a foursome with a AJ, he's a blind vet. Wow. He was wounded by an IED. And having the experience of being around him, because it's been 18 months, right, since we yeah. had a lot of interaction, man, it really invigorated me. I was Aww. like, this is what I'm doing. This is uh, the social work aspect of the nonprofit is one thing, but the camps and getting the vets and the first responders involved and, and getting them out, uh, man, it, it really... Reignited the the fire, so I'm I'm ex- I'm so excited.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, let's dive into why you founded Next Eighteen. So, can you walk me through the traditional space that veterans have to heal, and then why you created this organization?
1: Yeah, so Next Eighteen the the core concept is so we're a mental health nonprofit. First of all, I I pulled away from wanting to set up as a uh, veteran nonprofit. I just strategically positioning in the future Mm -hmm. um i I think mental health is i think we all know how important mental health is right you know vets and first responders sure but mental health is health at the end of the day you have it every human has mental health Mm -hmm. Uh, and at some point in life it's gonna it's gonna kick you in the ass um yeah and I know what I went through, and I know how dark it got when I was in the middle of it, and I know what it's like not having the people closest to you be there to support you, mm-hmm. uh, and you kind of feel like you're on an island. And when you're when you're as low as you can possibly be, you don't even know you are, and it, you wonder first of all which way is up, and that light at the end of the tunnel that you don't see it gets very it, it gets. In hindsight, it's very scary. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I know that I got through what I went through, but I also know that just like in all walks of life, there are certain veterans or first responders that maybe they just don't have the tools or the resources or they never learned how to uh, breath work, how to Mm -hmm. breathe in and out at a, um, a specific pace for a minute. Yeah. And lower their heart rate and get them out of the fight-or-flight so all of these resources we're providing and uh, my board president Ambrose he is very well connected in Milwaukee and he's very passionate about the mental health portion so it was a no-brainer to put him on my board and Mm -hmm. say hey this is what we're doing each each of these three and a half days we're doing about two and a half hours of lessons in the morning from local pros PGA pros Uh and then on the back end of each day we're playing eighteen holes and that's where the chemistry and you know the camaraderie. Mm -hmm. But the core of this program is in the middle of the day, we're doing two hours of mental health and holistic resources. And I told Ambrose, I said, Look, I know what I want to focus on, but you have the resources in Milwaukee Mm -hmm. to reach out to these people. So like moral injury, uh, resiliency, breath work, yoga, mindfulness, Mm -hmm. uh, sleep training giving six one hour sessions to the vets and the first responders because as great as these camps that have been and I've gone to multiple different organizations camps to kind of watch how they operate. Yeah. I really feel like a lot of them are almost all of them are missing the mark. Mm-hmm. You you have everyone here. This is the prime time. I went to one camp and uh we skied for eight hours. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had never skied in my life. We were up in the mountains in Aspen and we skied and it was a great opportunity, but then they wanted to do yoga on the back end of that day. And I remember thinking, I don't even want to get on this call. I literally just want to go to bed. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's watching how the other ones do it. And maybe in my mind think that they're missing the mark. And I say, Mm -hmm. all right, well, I'm going to take that business model And I'm going to adjust it because I think middle of the day, right, 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock, you're alert. You haven't burned all your energy. Uh, I think that's the best time to drive it home. And then you're out playing golf so you can talk like, oh, man, that was really informative. Or, yeah, you know, I actually heard something about this. And they're talking for four and a half hours while they're golfing. Mm -hmm. So that is the gist of it. And then when the camps are running, like you mentioned, I'm getting my master's in social work. Yes. So what I want to do eventually, once I get the degree and do all of my hours and all of the supervision <laughs> is identify maybe 10 to 15 vets and they become my caseload. Mm-hmm. And I set up a program where it's six to eight sessions for each one and a session is nine holes of golf.
2: Wow.
1: We just go out one-on-one. Um, and I know this puts me in a niche, right? Not everyone's going to want to do it, but mm-hmm. I'm not looking for everyone. I'm looking for a select group. And we just talk, we, I have literally gone through everything good and bad that you can go through. I've mm-hmm. been in combat. I I've lost teammates. I have done the positive stuff as well. So I just want to be another resource. And I would love to see this be some type of pilot program where, uh, I mean, I have vet friends that own hiking companies and excursions and sailing. Hmm. This doesn't have to be a, uh, a singular mold, it can be made for all different walks. And if vets see what I'm doing and they want to get into it, hey, here's kind of a, a path. Mm-hmm. So uh that is a, that's about a five year plan, but so for right now I'm just focusing on the camps while I get the degree.
0: Yeah, and the camps start this fall. So yes. how has yeah. it been going preparing for them?
1: It's been crazy. <laughs> I I finally decided maybe four months ago that I was gonna do this because originally I wanted to get the degree first. Yep. But uh someone close to me said, Why don't you just start the camps? You don't yeah. need the degree to do the camps and by the time you get going, uh you know, funding and things like that will be in line. You'll have relationships with courses. So I did, and it has been, <laughs> I, have, I have two camps. Uh, both of them are in Grafton this year at Fire Ridge, okay. um, September 28th through October 1st, and then October 12th through the 15th. Fire Ridge has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smitty, one of the owners out there, has basically rolled out the carpet and said, we'll take care of everything for you. Um, so these proof of concepts are really important. They're, they're both full. Wow. And when I say full, I, I mean, if I have more people reach out, I'm not going to say no. Mm-hmm. But I've hit the minimum numbers that I want, and mm-hmm. I'm a little bit over those right now. Um, I, I've been working closely with Milwaukee Fire Department. Uh, Chief Lipsky out there, He he, him and his uh, morale and wellness, like all... all all departments, like police and for, they all have their uh, morale units. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and his team have really, really signed off. I think the first camp. I have four firefighters from Milwaukee coming. A couple of them are vets as well.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm working with the sheriff's department. I'm working with a couple of police departments. Um, I know there's, I know there's stigmas involved, right? With yeah. right and left, right now with with certain first responders, but we're all human. Uh, if I can provide resources and these people go back to work and they're able to become force multipliers and share what they went through, I just want to be a value added for the the departments and for uh, the first responders and the vets out there at the end of the day. So I try to look at it as down the middle as possible. I I stay away from the politics. I stay away from sides. I, I just want to take care of people.
0: That's excellent, and I'm excited to see how it goes. It's You're more than incredible. welcome to come out and watch, even if it's to. for a day, just to see it. I would love to. I okay. think the holistic side of things and the timing is impeccable just because you really look yeah. out for that. Yep. And I'm I'm intrigued to see, like, I'm a yoga teacher, so in terms of mindfulness and what will reach the veterans and the people who come out the most. Right. Yeah. What has your experience been with the healing process in terms of finding mindfulness or yoga what has been the most influential part of that
1: it's funny because 10 year ago Matt would have scoffed at all of this stuff Uh, I would have scoffed at empathy I would have scoffed at being a part of a team Uh, Mm -hmm. I I did for myself I I took care of me first and empathy for me is once something happens to me now i now i, I see what vets go through mm-hmm. i see what my fellow brothers and sisters go through and by default i understand what first responders go through i remember last year reading articles about how the nurses are dealing with ptsd and uh, i have one of my friends emily out in new york she's a um, a nurse and she was in the middle of it and just talking to her my friend christy she uh in milwaukee you could tell talking to him how much of a toll it was taking. Mm-hmm. And through that, I, I just started buying into some of the stuff and paying attention. Um, I love hot yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know it's not for everyone, but just the concept of um, pushing your body. And in those moments, you are literally on a mat in a room and you have to pay attention to your body. So mm-hmm. it, it's mindfulness. It's breath. It, it's like a multitude of, uh, resources. Uh, so when I started doing that, then I started thinking, okay, well let's look into other routes, uh, sleep, sleep therapy, sleep training. Mm-hmm. Uh, we deal with enough stuff, right? Stuff that doesn't let us sleep at night on top of being a introverted person that lives in my head. Now you're adding real world experiences, yeah. being able to learn about uh, guided meditation at night for 30 minutes and putting it on so that you can turn your brain off to sleep Mm -hmm. if you're if you're not sleeping you start getting cracks in the facade right Mm -hmm. because you're not recharging you're not regenerating that might be okay for a day or two but for five years straight you know and i think about like vietnam vets
2: yeah
1: it's been a long time And, you know, I I had clients that uh, when I had my lawn and snow business that are Vietnam vets and they're still telling me they're not sleeping. And these guys are in their late 50s. So in my mind, I'm thinking, man, you've been dealing with this for decades. So having the resource, even if it's one thing, Mm -hmm. one thing to change your whole approach to life and it helps you in the moment, in the immediacy to Maybe not get so pissed off at the person who cuts you off, or uh, mm. being hyper vigilant, and you're able to talk yourself out of an anxiety attack. Things, things of that nature. I, I don't think there's one specific thing. I think the more resources you have, it's like a Swiss Army knife, right? <laughs> you're gonna need one of those tools, yeah, at any given moment. So,
0: huh. I like that. Do you think going to school to study social work has taught you a lot more about yourself and what you've been going through?
1: Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. Uh, again, 10 years ago, Matt, pretty much anyone in my life, it, pre-military, if they saw me getting a social work degree,
2: yeah.
1: would be like, what is going on?
2: Huh.
1: Um, I've learned a lot from the people in my classes. I've, I've, uh, I definitely questioned some things. But I think that's, you know, a healthy person should question things that they hear. Uh, I give a very unique perspective to the classes that I'm in. And my perspective leads to a lot of discussion, which that's what we want, right? We want to Mm -hmm. be able to have differing viewpoints on pretty much everything. And and we should be able to talk about it. We should be able to be candid about it. And every human's different. Mm -hmm. There's no way... You and I might agree on ninety-nine things out of a hundred. Don't let that one thing that we disagree on be the thing that divides us. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's been, it's been very eye-opening. Uh, it's definitely giving me empathy in a lot of other fields that I mm. would have never even remotely thought about in my life.
0: Yeah. Let's dive into a different subject. But you really utilize the different opportunities after. After being in the military, so you got your GI Bill, you were able to get a loan yeah. through the military. Yep. Why are you told me when we first met only thirty percent of veterans use the GI Bill? Why isn't aren't these resources being utilized?
1: So, and when I said thirty percent, I'm I'm not I'm not a hundred percent on the numbers. I know okay. it is very low. Okay. Uh, and it's it's funny too because when I when I was writing my thesis for my MBA, I wrote on uh, the TAP program. It's the Transition Assistance Program. Okay. It's it's this this core program. It's very cookie cutter that every service member in all the branches goes through, and they might tailor it a little bit differently for like the Marines and the Army, but mm-hmm. by and large, it's like the same thing. Mm-hmm. This was written during Vietnam, mm-hmm. and it has not really changed. Wow. And my thesis. Uh, got picked up by a, a JAG officer in D.C., and she's on a couple of uh, bipartisan caucuses with uh, members of Congress and senators, and uh, I almost flew out to D.C. in March last year, and they were getting ready to have me talk to them about it because I guess what I had proposed was really good. Hmm. Uh, COVID happened. She's yeah. on my board now. Yeah, We've stayed in touch. Um She's very big with uh, veterans' education benefits. There are so many pitfalls, so many pitfalls. Uh, She's told me stories of veterans using their... Because not all colleges are created the same, right? Uh, Well, in the military, it's the same thing. They kind of... And it's weird because these leaders that you have that you think have your best interests, there's been reports in the past where they're almost like getting paid to promote certain schools, right? Like, hey, let's tell them to go to XYZ college or this other college. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, college one does not carry any clout compared to college two. Mm -hmm. So there's stories like that. And then the soldiers try and get their money back. And now you've wiped out half of your GI bill. Mm -hmm. So what are the odds that you're going to finish your bachelor's degree, which is four years? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think acculturation... Is another big thing. Um, it's hard for me to sit in school. With.
3: 20, <laughs> 22
1: year olds. Who have no life experience. And you know. You hear some of the stuff that. It are, are taught. And. <laughs> it's like. I can't even wrap my mind around. What's being taught. Because I, I have such different world views. Yeah. Um, and. They just maybe they don't even want, or they don't feel that they deserve. I I've had enough people, hmm. enough veterans say that I've met in passing. Maybe they got out because they uh, they smoked marijuana and they got a, a they didn't get an honorable discharge. They just got a general discharge, okay. and they carry that stigma with them. And I think to myself, yeah, I know it sucks, but you you still served,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and there are ways to change your. Uh, your discharge status, but I think some sold, some vets just don't want to. They don't want to go through the the hassle of doing it, and mm. um, there's so many hurdles, right? Yeah. I mean, trying to get a disability,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, a disability rating. I know I've heard stories five, eight, ten years. Wow. You think you really want to go and mess around with anything else because that's your experience, or you hear horror stories and you're just. I don't even want, I don't want to use it. Yeah. I uh, I wish more would because the best part about the GI Bill is while you're in school, you get a stipend, mm-hmm. a tax-free stipend. So that stipend could pay for rent, mm-hmm. could pay for your mortgage, uh, and you're getting a degree. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I'm working on my second master's with another program, another military program, and I think to myself how much money I've saved. Yeah. What it's going to afford me in the future, and in my mind i i it's hard to understand why no one or why people would not want to tap into those resources. they're literally at your fingertips
0: mm-hmm. do you I shouldn't ask this, but do you think other veterans see you as a role model or do God. You... <laughs> <sighs>
1: That's Sorry. something I'm having to again, introversion, yeah. Uh, I hate being the center of attention. I hate, uh, I would much, I'm, I'm equally good at sitting in a room and watching the room and, uh, just processing what's going on as I am being in front of the room, leading the room. So it's, it's a fine line for me. Um, I don't, I've done so many interviews, the um, news, like yesterday, the uh cbs 58 and uh fox 6 interviewed me in milwaukee for what's happening it's weird to see that now people want to know my perspective right um i'm i will use the platform for good and do what i can uh to take care of even if i help one or two vets or first responders so yes and no it's it's still weird it's just
0: interesting yeah it's
1: uh it's weird being put into this position where now i have now i'm doing this thing and i have to follow through with it and i've started the path so i'm gonna have to keep doing it (laughs) but um it's like talking about teammates that i've lost right like each time it gets easier so uh yes and no
0: Mm, that's interesting what would you say, because you are getting more media presence, what would you say to civilians who don't really understand veterans or they don't understand the stigma toward veterans?
1: I think I think for me, there, there's two things that have always stood out to me. And um, the first is the thank you for the service or someone coming up to you and uh, just talking to you, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, thank you for your service. It... It's hard because there's days that I don't want to hear it, yeah. and there's days that I'm like, oh, I was not expecting that from you. Mm-hmm. And I know it's very, it's it's unique and it's very personal for every veteran. Yeah. I think a lot of times it comes down to, are you really saying that because you mean it, or mm-hmm. is this just like the hey, let's shake hands? It's it's what's um, expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember. The first year I got out, the first uh, Veterans Veterans Day, um, my ex and I uh, and my business partner went out for dinner. And I remember, I think we went to like... I don't want to say who. We (laughs) we went to a restaurant and they handed us a small menu. And it said, this is what the vet can get for free. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this seems really uh, wrong. You're telling me that as a veteran... On Veterans Day, I'm only entitled to certain items, right? Mm-hmm. The the cheap items. Uh, mm. So it, it that was my last time participating in Veterans Day. Yeah. Uh, I I get the point. I get what we're trying to do, right? We're we're trying to say thank you in some way. But to me, it's like a glass glass half full. Mm-hmm. Come on, if you're gonna do it, yeah. Most of these, bi- a lot of things in America. Businesses and corporations they have the freedom, and a lot of them started out as small businesses y- You have these opportunities because we defend the country and allow it to operate the way it does uh yeah. so it it hit me wrong yeah um, but for what's going on right now, just i i it it's hard to uh it's hard to tell a civilian how to process it right and how to yeah. be there for a veteran because again, every veteran is different um, just know that we're we're dealing with stuff right now this yeah. luckily the the Vietnam vets that I know, the Vietnam vets are really stepping up wow. uh, they are giving support right now that they didn't get when they came home and they know what it's like so it's been really awesome to watch that uh they're they're like bringing us into the fold right like we're here for you what do you need um and i hope we will do that as we move forward because there's going to be more conflict so down the road uh it's just a matter of us all coming together and being there for one another
0: Mm -hmm. that's
1: good advice yeah interesting do you
0: have any other final pieces of advice for veterans or anyone who might be struggling mental health right now
1: uh i think like what i told you before we all kind of um, when we go through the military and we get the training right we get the training we're we're told that we are these alpha warriors we're we're indestructible there's no chinks in the armor Mm -hmm. uh You got to turn that off yeah you got to understand that you cannot take every battle on your own and come out victorious Mm uh if if things start feeling off if you wake up one morning and you can't remember the last time you were happy um you need to know you need to if you want to be an alpha male or a, a strong person that goes both ways. Yeah. You need to know when to speak up. You mm-hmm. need to know when to ask for resources. There are so many resources out there, and it's not just hotlines.
2: Mm-hmm. You have
1: teammates. Uh, you you have people that you deployed with. You're not a wuss for picking up the phone and asking for help. Yeah. Um, and if you can't talk to family, at the very least, just talk to another veteran. Mm-hmm. We've all been there, whether it was the Battle of Fallujah or or sitting on a carrier deck. There's some commonalities there. So uh, being able to um, talk, I think, is the most important thing. Open up. Hmm.
0: That's incredible. I'm really excited to see everything that you're doing. And the camps, I'll have to come pay a visit because those seem incredible. We'll get you out there. Yeah, I can't wait to see just the impact you make. I'm, I'm really excited for that.
1: And if anyone wants information, uh, it's next18.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, information is there. Uh, feel free to check out the website. Uh, apply to attend if you're a vet or first responder, and we will get back in touch with you.
0: Yeah. And you have an incredible board. Yeah. I uh, took a look at it. You, you have some people supporting your... Yeah. People are following you, and they're seeing what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Again, it's, they all see it. I I asked, I asked X amount of people, X amount of people signed up. I didn't have one person back down. Um, I, my board is strong. I, they all cover specific niches for what the nonprofit world looks like because I come from for profit. Uh, so these people are going to help guide me. And I'm really, I think we're all excited. We, we know, as soon as we get these two camps this fall, this thing's going to take off. So yeah We're really excited.
0: That's incredible. Well, I have one more question. Sure. Um, and I ask all of my guests this. So my podcast was originally a travel podcast. So I stay true to that. Okay. Um, and my final question that I ask everyone is, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you not go?
1: Man, that's a tough one. Yeah. It's usually, where would you go? Uh, <laughs> I would say somewhere that is landlocked. Okay. I can't give you a specific. Um, I, I need to be by water. Oh. I need it to be warm. And I need the food to be amazing. So, middle of South America, middle of Africa, middle huh. of Europe, right? If it's landlocked. And I think that's why I uh, wasn't as fond of Germany huh. as... Um, going to like Spain and yeah. uh, Greece, water. Yeah, I need water. Hmm. So yeah, anywhere that is landlocked.
0: Yeah. Where would you go?
1: Uh, I spent January of 20 in Vietnam and Thailand and Hong Kong. Uh, actually flew out of Hong Kong on the 26th of January, right before we shut down. Wow. I want to go back to Vietnam so bad. Hmm. It was beautiful. The, the most insane. amazing place I've ever been
0: yeah that's very interesting too because it's very connected to
1: right veterans right yeah yeah so huh. being able to see like hanoi hilton yeah uh these people should not want us there yeah right nicest people i've ever met in my life wow. most down to earth um it, it was beautiful yeah. go if if you ever <laughs> get the opportunity go to vietnam
0: that's good advice Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm so excited to see everything you're doing. Your story is truly incredible. And yeah, thank you. I'm honored to have interviewed you. I
1: yeah. look forward to having you out at one of the camps yeah. if you can make it.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. That was my interview with Matt McDonald. If you are new to Going Places, welcome. There are so many episodes that you will find interesting. If you have listened to my podcast before, I really appreciate you tuning in. Matt's story is absolutely incredible and so inspiring. And I'm so excited to see his camps in action because he's doing amazing things. If you want to learn more in the show notes, I will include his link to his website, And of course, you can always reach out to me on social media. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Bye.